Hi, Emmaus. Welcome to the Reclaim and Display podcast, episode 10, where we help you show and tell the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. Back in the studio today with Jaron and Kennedy. What's up? Hey, Emmaus. Hello. Is that your is that your morning hello? I, I that might have been a little hello. more so do. That I, yeah. I, <laughs> that's yeah, okay. That's a, that's all right. Very, you know, very possible. This is a this is a rare uh, Sunday morning podcast recording. So it's gonna come out later this week, Emmaus. You guys are hearing this later in the week. But we're actually recording on Sunday morning because of a special guest preaching today at Emmaus. Dr. David Gambo, thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was that was better. Like the cheer was trying to bump it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should have we should have warned Dr. Uh, Gambo about the cheering, but that was that was great. So, Jaron, yes, busy day today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marriage night event coming up this evening. Dr. Gambo's boss, uh, Heath Thomas, OBU president, and Heath's (laughs) wife Jill, who is an absolute powerhouse in her own right. Uh, they're speaking for our marriage night tonight. So first things first, this morning is one of our worship services where we have kids and and teenagers, which is not uncommon having those teenagers up there, but we no. got the kids up there as well. Tell us about what's behind this next-gen worship. Uh, right. Talk to parents, grandparents, the church yeah. about this. So I think in a previous episode, we talked about the importance of singing in the church and um, how it's, it's not just a preference whether you like to sing or don't sing. It's, we're commanded to do that in Scripture. Uh, God himself is a singer. We see in Zephaniah, we talked about how our singing encourages souls uh, horizontally in the worship gathering. And so as we think about that foundation, um, we want to think about um, our church as well. And I think one of the blessings of our church that we've kind of all been able to identify is how we're not a real young church. We're not a real old church. We just got a lot of representation of a lot of ages, so multi-generational. And so the idea of our worship team looking like our church, uh, you know, sometimes we think about kids and say, okay, when you get old enough, then you can do this in the church. And I just had a big heart and passion for being able to, to use kids. Obviously, we want to strive for excellence, and uh, we want to put the right people in place, but there needs to be a place for, for kiddos. And uh, so that's how we kind of came up with Next Gen. And so we do a, a couple specific things with them throughout the year, but about four to six times a year, we invite them to be a part of our, our worship team and just to, to be on stage with us and to lead our church in, in singing. And uh, our church responds really well to that. They love that. And uh, it's really neat to kind of invest in those kids to let them know that you guys are the church, that, that you are you are welcome uh, to be able to, to be a part of that. So it's really been a great deal, really oh, encouraging. Yeah, we, we absolutely love it. I hear so much from our members about after those kids are up there leading worship, and we understand exactly this idea of striving for excellence and honoring the Lord. Those kids up there are good. They're awesome. <laughs> they're we, great. We have a great. Uh, we know they're not the future church. They are the church right now. Mm. But at the same time, we have a great future for That's for right. worship yeah. ministry at Emmaus. And so, yeah, I'm excited. Excited here in a few minutes to uh, to hear those kids and next gen choir and all the things we have going on there. So I love that, uh, Kennedy. You also have a big day today. So the missions lunch, missions 101. This is kind yeah. of your first kickoff event since yeah. being in this role as missions director. Huge sign up today. Yeah, for lunch. a lot more than so, I expected, which is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. So kind of talk to us about the, the goal of this lunch today. And then people are obviously listening to this podcast after the lunch. 
give them a little feel, a little summary for the goal of the lunch, and then going forward, what does this look like for yeah. Emmaus? Yeah. So this lunch is a lot more um, focused on global missions. We know that um, missions is not just globally. Missions is also right here where we are, but this lunch is more focused on going global um, and taking the gospel globally. And so um, we'll be talking a lot about just basic things of how to engage the lost um, of all nations um, and just being a part of the Lord's work all over the world. Um, and so we'll talk about logistical things of like, hey, if you're interested to go here, some good steps um, to do. We'll talk about our specific trips that Emmaus is offering this year and just um, how to get signed up for that, how to prepare for those things. Um, and something that I'm really excited about too is just today we'll also talk just how to pray for the nations because if we're praying for the nations, then that creates a heart in us to go to the nations. And so not only do we want to pr- do we want to prepare logistically to go on a mission trip or even go long term but we also want to start engaging with the nations right now by praying for them knowing what's going on around the world um praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters but also um just learning how to open our hearts towards what god is doing all over the world so yeah yeah so Emmaus, if you didn't make it to the lunch on sunday and you're listening to this and you have interest in being involved in missions and again that may not mean going right now or or necessarily ever on a trip but you just want to know how can i pray how can i get involved reach out to kennedy she she wants to be a part of this kennedy and i spent a long time this last week just her sharing about what she's learned recently and i came away from that meeting not only excited but just thankful that the lord had put you in this position kennedy at this time it was it was a it was a neat confirmation of that and building on the the heritage that emmaus has when it comes to missions globally and and locally um now, in, in uh, these podcast episodes or anytime we do things, we're, we're pretty famous for some clunky trans- transitions trying to get from this. <laughs> Today, uh, man, Kennedy's set up, like, this is the smoothest transition you could ever ask for because you think about missions, you think about praying for missionaries. Uh, Dr. Gambo reached out to me and said, I think this morning I just feel led to preach on kingdom-focused prayer. Mm-hmm. I thought, brother, that may be from the Holy Spirit. Like that, that, may, be, that may be exactly what, uh, what we want. So Emmaus, as you're listening to this, hopefully you've already, either in person or through the podcast, listened to Dr. Gambo's sermon on this. But it, it's so neat the way the Lord uh, has connected this sermon that he has uh, for us from Dr. Gambo with what Kennedy's doing with missions, what God's doing in our church. So we're not going to talk specifically about kingdom-focused prayer right now in the podcast because you're going to get a whole sermon uh, about that. But my hope was this is a chance to introduce you to uh, to David Gambo and, and him to share a little bit of his story. So Dr. Gambo, jump back a little bit. Tell us a little bit of your life story, where you came from, how the Lord called you to salvation, called you to ministry, and, and we'll kind of talk you through that, uh, some things that would be interesting for us to hear, but just share your story with us for a minute. Well, thank you very much, uh, Brother Owen, for this beautiful opportunity to be here with you at Emails. This is my first time here, and I'm really blessed to be here with you. Um, I was born and raised in the mission field in Nigeria. My parents uh, served as missionaries with weekly Bible translation for so many years. So originally from Nigeria, born and raised there in the mission field, I came to faith at the age of eight under my dad's ministry. And um, so I was raised there and uh, we got to hear the gospel, preach every day. We got to go to church every day. My dad was working, doing translation. 
And we were in the mission field for 13 years when my dad did a translation of the the New Testament for that very language group. So um, it was a blessing to get back to the city where we could connect with our peers, our colleagues. But uh, for the first 10 years of my life, I was uh, in the mission field with my parents and uh, it was a blessing to be there. And that's my upbringing. I came to faith and uh, at a very young age, uh, followed Christ, but not really um, just a nominal believer. And I, I will say I rededicated my life to Christ uh, when I was in high school. Uh, my senior year in the high, in high school, that was when I really came to understand that it's time for me to walk with the Lord. I remember my principal telling me that uh, I'm really, really ashamed of you because you are a missionary child. You need to do better. But you're one of the worst graduating students we have in our, in our class. And uh, I think that resonated with me. That was my wake-up call. And uh, I remember my principal saying to me, uh, my friend saying, if you guys go to college and live in a recalcitrant life like you are, it's going to be a very rough time for you guys in college. And so for me, that was my wake-up call. And I think that brought me to my knees. I repented of my sins, and I decided to really walk with the Lord. So that was my time of rededication, uh, say June 2000. That was when I rededicated my life to Christ, and I started really walking with Him. Wow, no, that's that's fantastic. Let's uh, let's unpack some of that that story there. So, not everyone listening to this will be familiar with Wycliffe uh, and and that ministry. Talk a little bit about that, and then if you're allowed to on a setting like this, tell us the the language and the people group that your dad was was serving through that translation. So, talk a little bit about Wycliffe, and then a little bit of that work that he was doing there, as much as you can say about that. Yes, a Wycliffe organization has existed for so many years, and the goal of Wycliffe Bible Translators International is to see that the gospel or the Bible, both New Testament and Old Testament, uh, is translated through the uh, to all every language and uh, tribe and every language group in the world. So that's the goal of Wycliffe, and their vision for 2025 is that every language group in the world will have at least uh, a gospel either the Gospel of Luke or the Gospel of John, one of the Gospels translated into at least every language in the world. So, well, in Nigeria, we have about 505 languages, not dialects, just languages. Oh, my word. And so when you add dialects together, you're talking of about a thousand dialects, uh, dialects we have in Nigeria. So my dad actually uh, speaks five Nigerian languages. Hmm. Uh, I, I speak two Nigerian languages, and so... Uh, his desire when he joined Wycliffe was to go to a language group and spend some time there, learn the language, walk with the people there, get some translators, and together they will translate the Bible. So he was there in 1975 and uh, all the way to 1990 before coming back to the city. But we were there where he learned the language, walked with some translators, and was able to translate the entire New Testament into that language group of that community. And so now the language group has the God, I mean, the entire New Testament in their own language. So it's like hearing Jesus speak their own language, mm-hmm. not in English, but in their own language group. So uh, that is what uh, my dad has been doing. And right now what they're doing is they call themselves Luke Partners. Okay. Their desire is to see that every language group in Nigeria has at least the Gospel of Luke translated. Oh, nice. uh, because yeah. it takes a long time to have the entire Bible or the entire New Testament. And so, since the Great Commission movement has already produced the Jesus 
movie according oh, to the right. gospel of luke right. yeah their desire is to translate the gospel of luke so that they can transcribe it into that jesus movie and they will use it as an evangelistic tool in the different language area Oh, and that's so fantastic. that's what they're doing. They call themselves Look Partners, but it's actually, uh, which is actually part of Wycliffe International. And they've been doing a great job traveling from one location to another in Nigeria, having workshops and translating. And sometimes it takes them a year or two to finish a language in the Gospel of Luke, but they've, they've seen a lot of progress so far. No, yeah. that's, that's a beautiful story. You talked about uh, God getting your attention there as a high school senior mm -hmm. there at the end of uh, Jaron and Kennedy, you wouldn't know this about them, but they've both been actively involved in student ministry leadership for, for years. And so that those kind of hard conversations with juniors and seniors, they're, they're familiar with those conversations. Talk about God getting your attention, uh, repentance, rededication. Was that closely followed by what you would call a call to ministry or was there a time or what, what did God do in your life after, after that? Where'd you go to college? What was that process like? So that was the wake-up call for me. Prior to my principal calling me to his office, which uh, till today, I, I thank God for that hard conversation that he had mm -hmm. with us, my, myself and two of my friends. Uh, prior to that, I felt the Holy Spirit just nudging me. And uh, I, I felt so uncomfortable with the way I was living. I was just rebelling against authority. And uh, I felt the Holy Spirit was already working at, was already at work in my heart before the principal mm. actually uh, had that conversation with us. But then after that, I I came back home, and one of my friends, who were three, that were invited to the the principal's office, and one of my friends really got saved. He wasn't mm. saved then, yeah. but I was the missionary kid among them that was so just going along with the crowd. But this friend of mine came to faith, and I went to his house to really investigate whether that was true or not, whether it was authentic, genuine, or what. And I got there, and I saw him watching uh, uh, a televangelist. And he said, David, you better sit and listen to this. Mm -hmm. And when I listened to this, the gospel was presented there, and it came with power and such conviction that I asked him, and it was this VHR uh, video cassette uh, slot that he had so I asked him if I can just borrow that cassette and go none back of our teenagers it. will know what you're talking yes. about yes <laughs> so, so it's you're, like a CD <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we, we, we lost our teenagers on that one but uh, our older adults will totally be with you so uh, so you take that you take that cassette and yes I took that I went take. back home and I watched it and that was the first time in my life that I, I remember just falling on my knees, sobbing and crying and asking the Lord to really be Lord of my life. Wow. I had known him as my savior, but this time around, I just wanted him to have his way. Mm. I just wanted him to be in charge. I kind of like, just have your way, Lord, mm. be in control, take the steering wheel of my life. Mm. So that was what happened. And I will never forget that day. That was, I mean, I don't remember the date now, but I know it was in June. Yeah, It was in June 2000. And so I got to college, the University of Jaws. My desire was to be a medical doctor. And because I didn't want, since I was growing up in the mission field, I felt the nudging that somehow, someday, I might be a preacher. But I did not want to because, of course, I knew missionaries were poor. And I didn't want to have to live by faith like my parents. Wycliffe missionaries, they had to live by faith to raise their own funds and all of that. I didn't want to go that route, even though we never slept hungry for a day. My God provided all we needed, but I wanted to be a medical doctor because of money, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. 
So, uh, but I felt the Lord saying, I wanted to serve in ministry and I kept on pushing and resisting. So my first degree was actually in biochemistry. Wow. Yeah, yeah. so I was a biochemistry major. Uh, I will never forget November 2003, my second year in the university, uh, 29 November 2003, 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I still remember. I had a vision, and it was that vision that was very clear that the Lord wanted me to preach the gospel. He said, I want you to be a preacher, and I want you to take the gospel wherever you go to make my, my name known. And, uh, and I had that vision, and I said to the Lord, if this is indeed you, can I have that second experience again, <laughs> just like Gideon did, asking for another proof. And the Lord, the same vision came the second time, and that I, it was so convicting, and I knew that I had met the Lord, and He wanted me to really serve. And I was like, this time around, I'm going to have <laughs> to just let go of my life to Him, <laughs> and just answer the call to ministry. Uh, so that happened that night, and uh, at the early hours of the morning, two weeks later, my friend uh, at a different university had a vision, had a dream, and in that dream, he saw me preaching the gospel. And now this guy was in a different university and he wrote me a letter and said, I still have the letter today. I kept that letter till today. He was like, David, I saw you preaching the gospel to thousands and a huge crowd, little crowd. You were preaching the gospel and bringing people to the, to the foot of the cross. I think you're called to be a, a, a preacher, not, not, not a medical doctor. And so I just knew that that was my confirmation. So I met my parents and I shared with him and my dad said they already knew <laughs> but they didn't want to put pressure on me oh yeah and I uh, shared my with my pastor and he was so happy about that and he decided to help me to mentor me and to walk with me and uh, but I was already going to my third year in the university and so they were like there's no need to change in your major you just go ahead and graduate and after that we can start thinking of more pr- uh, ministry experience and exposure and theological training and so that's how my journey started. Oh, yep. That's a beautiful story, man. I love, I love that. And how the Lord put the right people in your path. Exactly. And and what a great job they did in not pressuring that, yes. but but being ready. And the Holy Spirit already prepared their hearts for what that that would look like. And so, yes. so that path takes you obviously into ministry and then into further education. And I know we fast forward a lot, but you find yourself at Southwestern Seminary. Yes. In, in Fort Worth, doing doing work there. Absolutely, and that's also another long story for oh, sure. another day yeah. because yeah. my initial desire when I felt called to ministry after graduating from college, I was serving by vocationally at a uh, at a church, working in the hospital, learning ministry and mentorship. I, I worked with a uh, with a church for about three years to gain experience. Oh wow! Before I then became a youth minister, and then I took some theological courses online. Uh, but my desire was, and then I planted a church. I planted a church in Nigeria. I was there for some months, and I felt the need for theological training. I felt if I'm going to preach the gospel, I need to know more than just what I have. I mean, I have the experience. I was born and raised in the field. I was exposed to ministry by my pastor. and all, But I need more depth. I need sure. more theological training. So my desire was to go to Moody Bible Institute in Illinois. Yeah. And uh, that was all my desire. I wanted to be like D.L. Moody, the great <laughs> American evangelist. And so I applied there. I got admission. And I was so excited with scholarships. So I was to come in 2008. And then that was when the recession happened. Right. And I got an email from Moody saying, we're sorry, we can't give you that scholarship anymore because the economy is down. Right. And so uh, you have to raise the entire money yourself. And uh, <laughs> then they were asking about $18,000. And 
I was like, oh my goodness, where do I go from here? <laughs> and I, I wept, I cried, I went back to God in prayer. I remember praying and the Lord saying to me, David, Moody was the choice you wanted, but mm -hmm. I have a different place for you. The place I really wanted for you is a different school, Southwestern. Yeah. And, and my dad told me about Southwestern, I mean, about 10 years ago, and I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, but as an international student trying to come overseas, you have to write TOEFL exams, you have to write, uh, send your transcript to the World uh, Education Service to, to transcribe to American right, equivalents right, because we yeah. use the British system. Yeah. So you have to go all through all that. So in filling those forms and documents, uh, most of the documents were requ you, you're required to put at least two and two or three schools that they can forward your transcript after evaluation to, and, and then your TOEFL scores and SAT and all of that. And so I had, of course, Moody as my first school, but I was wondering what other school should I put there? And then I remember my father saying uh, Southwestern. So. I was like reluctantly, I, I, I just put Southwestern in all the forms. And so that, when Moodish, the, the door to Moodish shut, uh, I went to God in prayer and I was asking the Lord what exactly, and he said, Southwestern? Yeah. The next day I sent an email to them. Immediately after prayer, I sent an email to them and said to them, um, what's the process for admission? And they said, we've received your transcript, we've received your documents, but you've not completed the form for admissions. So why don't you do that and we'll consider you for admission. So I completed the application form and in less than a week they offered me admission. And there you they go. said to me, uh, so I asked them, how much is the tuition? Well, if you are a Baptist, we'll give you a 50% scholarship because of the cooperative program. Amen. Yeah, you said, the Lord is in this. Yes, the Lord is in this. And not kidding, within two months, I had friends calling and saying, Hey, we heard you're going to, you got admission. Here's $2,000. Oh, wow. Another yeah. friend, here's $1,005. And the, within just two months, oh, $13,000. Yeah. Oh, praise God. The Lord yeah. provided. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And Emmaus, as you're listening to this, I, I know you, it's hard to connect the dots here, but every week when you give uh, here at Emmaus, a portion of that money goes to the cooperative program, and a portion of that cooperative program money makes seminary uh, training accessible for, exactly. for people like David Gambos. Yes. So in, in a small way, Emmaus, like you helped uh, Dr. Gambo. You did. Go to Southwestern. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a beautiful thing. And I'm sitting on the board of trustees at, at OBU at Oklahoma Baptist University, and I'm in a meeting one day, and they're like, we have a great person identified for this slot we need to fill in Christian ministry. And that was my first uh, introduction to Dr. Gambo. Oh, cool. when we were in a meeting there, like we were going through new new faculty hires. And so God led that path from Southwestern and, and now at, at OBU. And yeah. so I should have reached out to Tim Rasnick ahead of time and gotten a sponsorship from OBU for our <laughs> podcast. So uh, we'll have to have more. Uh, Tim would have come through for us. Uh, we'll have to have more OBU podcasts in, in the days ahead because that place means so much to me and yeah. and uh, with Dr. Gambo being there and investing. So you haven't, don't have a lot of experience with Oklahoma. I mean, you're pretty, you're pretty recent to, to Oklahoma and usually we'll jokingly have people rank things on the podcast. Um, favorite Oklahoma experiences, places you've been, there's some strange named uh -huh. towns. Like give us give us your Oklahoma experiences. Like what what's been what's been funniest, most impressive, most surprising? Uh yeah, I think for me Oklahoma, uh, again we're still new here, but I would say 
going to the zoo with my kids. There you go. Uh, we yeah. love going to the zoo. Uh, I love going to Bricktown restaurant because of mm -hmm. bison burger. Yeah. I, get to eat <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't get that in Texas, right? So because of, I mean, yeah. I love bison burgers. So are I you guys living? In, are you living in Shawnee or are you live in Oklahoma City? We lived in Shawnee yeah. for about two years, and now we live. Uh, we, then we moved to Tecumseh. So right oh, now okay. we live in Tecumseh, which yeah, is right like now. 15 minutes away from yeah. uh, from Shawnee. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So you've done the Bricktown things. Yes, you've done, you've done the zoo. Uh huh. Uh, and uh, we've done the Children's Museum at uh, uh, in oh, Seminole. Oh, that, yeah. That was very That's good. That was a yeah, very a great place. experience for yeah. my kids. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I would say those are the, and of course, Falls Creek. Oh, I love there Falls you go. Creek. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. I was looking well, at your uh, uh, your bio. Mm -hmm. Big soccer fan, it looks oh, like. Yes. Have you appreciated American football? I have. Well, I <laughs> is that a, is that a <laughs> I have. I, I well. What I would say about that is, uh, I I only watch the Super Bowl, right? Okay, I only wait there you for the go. Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, but when Sunday. I was in Texas, of course, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I love just cheering for them and watching American football. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we apologize that you were put in that position. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do enjoy that. Fan, so. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, since even while I was in Nigeria, I enjoyed NBA more than oh, American yeah. oh, football. Okay. So yeah, I yeah, really cool. enjoyed NBA while I was in Nigeria. But coming back, coming to America, I got interested in uh, the uh, NFL and yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a lot of uh, people listening to this podcast who are going to be Thunder fans. Yeah. So when you say NBA, that that'll get people's that that'll get people's attention. So, uh -huh. yeah, maybe that's what we need to rank is is major uh, sports leagues. You know, you oh, got yeah. the. Uh, I guess the problem with the MSL Major League Soccer is it just or M MSL MLS 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 uh -huh. is that our level of Major League Soccer here just doesn't quite match to the Premier League, the right? Yeah, the Premier <laughs> That's League. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We're, in a, we're in a tough spot there. So, uh, and, the, and the NBA, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear there's appreciation, you know, for that. Are you guys NBA people? Oh, Jared? yeah, sure. Okay. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm, I, I hate to say it, but I think that basketball is one of my least favorite sports. Oh, <laughs> yes. So. so sorry, everyone. Uh, well, <laughs> sorry, Thunder. Let, let's be honest. Like, of all the sports league, by far the greatest is the PGA Tour. Like, professional golf is, is, Great. Really? Sunday yeah. afternoon is at the top. No. Sunday no. afternoon no. Naps. Everyone's like, no, no, no. no. That's terrible. <laughs> like, let's be, yeah. Now, in our home, when it comes baseball season, there's going to be a Major League Baseball game on oh, almost yeah. every night wow. at, at our house. And a lot of people, you know, the two sports that, that I like the most, professional golf and Major League Baseball, are probably, let's be honest, the most boring what? sports yes. to watch on, on TV. <laughs> I, I completely acknowledge that. And, and Dr. Gambo is agreeing with me here, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, like, well, I've been to the Rangers Stadium to watch baseball. I, in fact, I didn't even on, and I didn't even understand the entire game. I was just there. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> so, oh, That's that why I is, like it. It's easy to understand. Is, uh, is cricket big watch. in Nigeria? No. No, no, no. no. Not okay. a big cricket area. Yeah. So we don't... I mean, talk about a game. I have no idea what's going on. So yes. I, we had some neighbors who played cricket for a while, and I tried, and I could not understand it. So, yeah. oh, my goodness. All right, we are running up on 30 minutes, not to mention <laughs> the fact that we have a worship service starting <laughs> momentarily here. So we've got we've got places to go. Dr. Gambo needs a moment to catch his breath and uh, mm -hmm. look at his notes and get ready. So, um, Kennedy, will you, uh, will you pray? Pray for Dr. Gambo uh, yeah. for, and I, I think specifically, just even thinking about, about this conversation. As the Lord calls people 
to ministry. And sometimes that means full-time vocational ministry. Sometimes that means just what you're doing, encouraging people to live on mission. Mm -hmm. Just that idea that God would get our attention. We would understand what it lives, means to live fully devoted to Christ. And then what does it look like to serve him in everything we do? And that God would continue to call people to, Mm -hmm. to serve him in those ways. And so Kennedy, if you'll, uh, if you'll pray for us, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Lord, we just thank you so much for, um, just what you're continuing to do in your people um, all around the world, but specifically around this table. Lord, I just praise you for the work that you've done in Dr. Gambo's life and just hearing how you continually um, provide and guide his steps, Lord. And I just pray that that's an encouragement to all of us, that we know that you are a provider. We know that you guide all of our steps. And um, Lord, I just pray, just as Dr. Gambo said, that um, we would truly make you Lord of our lives, Lord, that we just hand over um, all of our decisions, um, everything that we do in our life to you, because we know that you're good and that you're ways are good, Lord. And so I just um, praise you for those reminders this morning. And Lord, I just also pray for those that are listening that um, are just contemplating that next step in their life, Lord. And so I just pray that you guide those steps and also just remind us that you're just simply asking for obedience from us. You're not asking for um crazy things, Lord, because we know that you handle all of those things. You're just simply asking for obedience and open hands that um, you would do what you will, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, Emmaus, we'll see you soon.